So what are you afraid of this morning? What do you fear in life? What are you anxious about? What are the things that are happening in your life that leave you fearful? What is it for you? Is it heights? Spiders? Snakes? Clowns? Clowns, maybe? What is it that you're afraid of? Is it public speaking? That's usually number one on the list. I wouldn't be caught dead doing that. <laughs> public speaking is usually number one. You know what happens when you public speak? When you're up in front of people, is your body has a similar reaction to if you were in a wilderness and, and you were face-to-face with something like a tiger or a bear without any sort of weapon. The physiological response your body has when you get up in front of t- people and talk, this is why you're so nervous, by the way, when it's time to get up in front of someone and talk, the physiological response, what your body perceives is I'm in a vast wilderness all by myself, and there are eyes staring at me, and I have no way to defend myself, and chances are they're going to attack. <laughs> so that's true. That's true. So if you see me thinking about things as we go this morning, I'm just trying to convince myself that you're nice people and you're going to stay in your seat, okay? What are you afraid of? You afraid of financial situations? Are you afraid of being alone? Are you afraid of what might happen to your children? Are you afraid of what might happen to your spouse? Are you afraid you may never have a spouse or children? What are you afraid of this morning? Anxiety is a big deal in our culture. It's a big issue. I don't have a stat to back that up this morning. I'm just going to trust that you know that that's true. We know that's true, right? Fear and anxiety are a big deal in our world. What are you afraid of? We all have it. And what we need, what we know we need in our lives and in our hearts is some way to deal with the fear and anxiety. That's what I need. That's what you need. That's what all of us need is some way to deal with that fear and anxiety. Some way to to cope with the reality that we are fearful and anxious about different things. We need some way to cope with that. In fact, we all know people in our lives that we're close to that can't cope with it. And they've actually, in some ways, checked out of reality, unfortunately, because they can't deal with what, what reality is. That the fear and the things that makes us anxious in this world can sometimes be debilitating in our lives, can't they? And we all need some sort of way to deal with that. Some way to confront the fear. Some way to confront the anxiety. And to find some peace and hope for the future. In fact, our biggest heroes, the people that we look up to, Right? Are, the, are people that we think have done this in some way. People that have overcome. People that have faced their anxieties. It's like this uh, with, with sports. It's like it with our heroes in, in real life. If you ever uh, were to go to a, a Celtics game, they always do something in the arena. They call it Heroes Among Us. In every home game, they honor someone who's done something big. And it's usually someone that's conquered some sort of fear or encountered some sort of situation where most people would have backed down, be it a a car crash or a fire or something along those lines, but they rose above the fear and anxiety to do something great. And those people end up becoming our heroes, don't they? 
We like the story of the person who has strength and courage to do something great. In fact, if you watched the State of the Union address, not just this year, but every year a president gives the State of the Union address, they put people in the audience that represent the the strength and the courage that they're talking about, don't they? And in their speech, the president will stop and say, it's like this person sitting up in the balcony who had the strength and the courage to do this great thing. And those people in the military and in business and other places become the people that we look up to, become the people that we want to be. There's a young man uh, from Brockton who's a firefighter. His name's Matt Paziali. And he uh, is, went to college with my brother-in-law. Some of you might know my brother-in-law. His name's Mike uh, D'Agostino. And, and he, they went to college together down in Florida. So Mike is from Burlington here and Matt's from Brockton. They met down in Florida. And Matt had a dream and that is to be a, a golfer. He wanted to be a golfer and he played golf down in Florida at their school. And after school, he tried to make the PGA Tour over and over and over again, but it didn't happen. And so he just followed his dad and became a firefighter in Brockton. We played a four-man scramble. I like to play golf. There's something about watch. I can hit the golf ball really hard, but it never goes straight. But I can hit it really hard. And there's something about watching it take a right turn into the trees, but 300 yards away that I enjoy. And so, uh, and so we played a, what's called a four-man scramble, where there's four people on a team, and you're shooting for the best score. And it was me and my brother-in-law and someone else. Oh, no, it was Lori, my wife. Ooh, I shouldn't say that. It was Lori, my wife. That was... Real, that wasn't an accident. See, you're going to attack me. The, it was my brother-in-law and my wife, Lori, and myself. And then Matt was our fourth person. And we shot a 59. That's 13 under par. Uh, but we just used Matt's ball, and it was great. So Matt is in his 30s now. And just a couple of months ago, he played in the U.S. Mid-Amateur Championship. And wouldn't you know it, he won. Which means he qualifies to play the Masters this year and the U.S. Open. And already, if you go on the U.S. Open website, there's a video there. The Brockton firefighter who qualified for the U.S. Open. We like those stories, don't we? It could be political. It could be in the military. It could be sports. It could be business. It just could be a personal story of someone who's overcome. The stories of, of, the, of Jeff Bowman and the people that came through the Boston Marathon bombing. We like those stories of strength and courage. And one of the reasons we like it is because we need it ourselves. We are trying to figure out where am I going to get the strength and courage to get over my fears? Where am I going to get the strength and courage to do something great? I want to be like those people Whether it's something as silly and simple as golf or something as serious as overcoming an injury or overcoming a terrible event in life. We look at those stories and then we idolize those people. Those people become heroes to us because we want to have that in our own life. To become the kind of people that are able to overcome things in life that come our way. The things that make us fearful, the things that make us anxious. We would like to figure that secret out for ourselves. And so we look to those people who have done it or we pursue that they've done it and we idolize them and they become our heroes because we want to somehow live vicariously through their ability to overcome. The great William Wallace, otherwise known as Braveheart, 
he said it this way. He said, men don't follow titles, they follow courage. And that's true. We like the courageous person, the courageous man or woman. We put them up on a pedestal and want to look at them. The question is, where do I find this in my own life? How do you and I go about finding strength and courage? I can tell you where we try to find it. We try to find it a few different places. One of the places that we go to find it is we look for the courage deep down inside of ourselves, don't we? Does anyone remember the cowardly lion? You remember the cowardly lion? In the movie, The Wizard of Oz, or maybe, maybe you're ambitious, you read the book. The cowardly lion uh, in The Wizard of Oz needed courage. And so he joined Dorothy on the journey to Oz because he was looking to find courage somewhere. And at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, do you remember what the lion realizes, what he learns, the big life lesson the lion learns? The courage that he needed, the courage that he wanted was inside of him all along. Do you remember? And we take that little lesson and we go to all the events and read all the self-help books, which is a multi-billion dollar industry, and we're trying to convince ourselves of the same thing, that all of the courage and the strength that we need is somehow inside of us, and if we can just leverage it, and if we can just uh, convince ourselves enough, and we go to the conference, and, and Tony Robbins tells us that we have the courage, and then we go home, and we feel like we don't, and so then we go to the next conference, and he tells us again, and then we go home, we feel like we don't, and so we go to the next book, and they tell us again, and Oprah tells us, and Ellen tells us, and everyone tells us that we have the strength and the courage inside of ourselves to do great things. And we're trying to convince ourselves that that's true. That we do, deep down inside of us, have all the strength and all the courage that we need. That we're just like the cowardly lion, and all we need is a man behind a curtain to tell us that the strength and courage that we had was ours all along. We look for it there. We also look for it in other people. We try to surround ourselves with people that will encourage us and get rid of the negative voices because nothing will, will debilitate you or take away strength and courage like a negative voice in our lives. So whether that's a family member or a friend or trolls on social media, we'll distance ourselves from the voice that tries to take, steal strength and courage from us and we will try to surround ourselves with people that will build us up and encourage us in our lives. And, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that that's what we do. We need strength and courage to deal with fear and anxiety. And so we'll go and we'll try to find it within ourselves. We'll surround ourselves with other people that will build us up and encourage us and help us. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll just try to convince ourselves that, that there is nothing to be fearful and anxious of. And we'll just take a leap and try things anyway. This is the way that John Wayne put it the Hollywood icon, he said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Sometimes, you know, we find courage deep within ourselves. Sometimes we find it by looking around us and finding other people. And sometimes we just find courage by just ignoring reality and just doing it anyway. Running off the cliff and jumping and hoping everything works out. Here's the problem you and I have. We know deep down inside we're just playing a game. 
I know how to project strength and courage. So do many of you. Especially if you're leading other people. Maybe in a business situation or you're leading other people in your family. You have kids that are looking to you or a spouse or you have friends that look to you as their support. We know how to project strength and courage to other people. But it's just a projection of what we wish was true about ourselves. Because we know that no matter how much we try to look inside of ourselves for strength and courage, there's a lot of fear and anxiety in there. And I know that no matter how much I look to other people to give me strength and courage, that that reservoir never fills up. That if one person says something nice that gives me strength and courage, I need another person to do it too. And then eventually the person that is serving that for me is going to let me down in some way and I'm going to have to move on from them and go get someone else that does it for me. And when we just ignore the reality, we know what we're doing. What we need is not just a band-aid over the problem. What we need is true strength and courage to be able to face the things in this world. Something that will give us everything that we need to do what it is that we know we're supposed to do. We find the answer to where true strength and courage comes from in Joshua chapter 1. Not only do we find the answer to where true strength and courage comes from, we also find in, this, in these verses a true litmus test to see if you and I are actually believing this truth about where strength and courage comes from. It's a test to say, okay, this is where stre true strength and courage comes from. Do I actually believe that in my life? Am I living that out? So there's the theory and there's also the praxis in this chapter. There's the idea of where we can find strength and courage and there's also the part about where the rubber meets the road and whether or not we're actually doing it. Both of those are found here. And I would suggest to you that that secret that all of us are looking for, how do I deal with fear in this world? How do I deal with the reality that we, could, we have no idea really what's going to happen when we leave this room? We have no idea what could happen in the next moment, in the next second, what's going to happen to our family, what's going to happen to our friends. A dear friend uh, of mine had a friend that he grew up with in high school, and just this week, 38 years old, wife, children, died in a car wreck. And that's the reality of the world we live in. That we don't know what could happen today or tomorrow. And sometimes that's overwhelming. The secret to dealing with that is found right here in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, if you were with us last week, he's in a tough spot. If you remember the story with me, even if you haven't been in church much, you might remember this story a little bit. And that is that God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt for generations. And God called a man out of a burning bush and he sent him to go and to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And his name was, it's not a trick question, his name was? Moses. 
Moses, right? And so Moses goes into Egypt and he leads God's people out of slavery, out of Egypt. And then God's people, through a series of events, spend uh, the next 40, 40 years wandering in the wilderness and God provides for them. So there's four decades of being a nomadic tribal people, hundreds of thousands of people wandering around in the desert with no real place to call home. And at the beginning of the story of Joshua, a massive transition happens because everyone who has come out of Egypt, that entire group that's come out of Egypt, watched Moses lead, the, lead them out of Egypt. And then they all died in the wilderness. Other than Joshua and another guy named Caleb. Everyone else passes away in the wilderness. Now a whole new generation raises up, hundreds of thousands of people, and they only know Moses as their leader. They know no one else as their leader. And now, if you remember, the first five words of the book of Joshua represent a massive transition. After the death of Moses. I don't know if we can fully appreciate what that must have been like for the people. Hundreds of thousands of people know one leader, the one person that could talk to God and tell them what to do. And now that person is gone. And who's thrust into his place? None other than our man, Joshua. And I'm sure that the inner panic and anxiety that consumed him. Now, Joshua knew for quite a number of years that he was going to be the successor to Moses. But knowing you're going to be the successor and actually being in charge are two very different things. And so here he is in the middle of a desert with a group of people that have been wandering around for the last 40 years and now they're looking to him asking what they are supposed to do. And Joshua has this challenge and that is he's supposed to take this nomadic group and move them into permanent residency in a new land that they've been promised for generations. Here's the problem with this new land. It's not like the Wild West where you just went and staked a claim. There are fortified cities. There are militaristic people. And they are waiting for the Israelites to come. And so now you have these people that are in these giant cities with walls and with weapons. And the Israelites who have been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Joshua is newly in charge. He is, the, he is newly in this position. He has all the anxiety and fear that are happening because of that, and on top of that, he has to make the biggest move with this group of people that's been made since they came out of slavery in Egypt. There's all sorts of fear and anxiety in that situation. And in the middle of that moment, God speaks to Joshua. And in verse 6, this is what he says. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law of, that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know how I know that Joshua was full of fear and anxiety? Because God repeats this phrase, be strong and courageous, three times. And on top of it, he tells him not to be afraid. And on top of that, if you flip back to Deuteronomy 31, you will see God tell Joshua before Moses' death three times to be strong and courageous. So this is the second time God is coming, the second time God is coming to Joshua and saying the exact same words three times over. And I know that Joshua was full of fear and anxiety because God had told him before Moses died, Joshua, Moses is going to die. When that happens, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Now Moses is dead and God sees what's going on and he comes and he says to Joshua, 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 look at me, focus, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid. And the question is why? What is the seat of that strength and that courage? Is it inside Joshua? Is it, does God say to Joshua, Joshua, the secret, here's the secret to your strength and courage. It's been inside of you all along. Brought to you by Disney, right? It's been inside of you all along. Or does he say to Joshua, Joshua, here's the source of your strength and courage. I want you to go to the Israelites and they're going to throw parties for you and they're going to encourage you. And as the Israelites encourage you, so then you'll be encouraged to go and do great things. And he doesn't say to Joshua, Joshua, you know what, between you, you're going to cross over the Jordan River, and then there's going to be this city called Jericho with big walls and a strong military. Uh, Just ignore it. Just do it anyway. No, he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. For two reasons. Because I promised my people that they would have this land. And that's on me, not you. I made a promise. I swore to their forefathers that they would have this land. And that's on me, Joshua. That's not on you. So be strong and courageous and take these people over the Jordan River because I'm going to do this work, not you. And some of us sitting here this morning need to remember that God has made to you, if you follow him, if you trust in Jesus Christ, God has made to you promises. He's made you promises that he's going to provide for all of your needs, that he is going to give you good gifts, that even through the struggle of life, his joy and his peace and his hope will be there with you. And some of us need to remember that God has made those promises and that's on him. That's not us to generate. It's on him. And so we trust him. And, Josh, and God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous because I'm the one making the promises here, not you. And secondly, be strong and courageous because of my presence. Not only am I the one making the, the promises, Joshua, I am with you wherever you go. My presence is with you. And the same is true for you today. It doesn't matter what you're walking through today. God's presence is with you. God walks with you in those situations. He doesn't abandon us in the difficult times. He is with us. You remember that Psalm 23 that you used to read in in, in Sunday school, your grandma used to read to you, or you hear when you go to funerals? When David was in the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't fear. Why? Because you are with me. 
Even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. And no matter where we go and no matter what we face, all of those things that cause us fear and anxiety in our life, I think we forget most often in God's promises, what he's promised to us and what he's going to do. And we most certainly forget his presence and that he is always with us. And God comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, this is a tough situation. I see the fear, I see the anxiety. I'm telling you, be strong and courageous. I don't look inside yourself, don't look at other people. Look to me, look to me. I have promised this will happen and my presence goes with you. Draw your strength and courage there. Yes, amen. But then how do we know if we're doing this? Because that what Josh, God said to Joshua, draw your strength and courage from my promises and presence. I believe that God would say to you today, you want strength and courage? I'll tell you where to get it from, God would tell you. Draw your strength and courage from my promises and my presence. But how do we know if we're doing that? Well, God tells Joshua in these verses how he can know if that's really where he's drawing his strength and courage. He says it right in the middle. Only be strong, this is verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. How do I know in my life that I am drawing my strength and courage from God's promises and presence? It will be displayed in the work that I do. It will be displayed in the obedience to God that I demonstrate. If I say I'm drawing my strength and courage from God, however, I go and I do whatever I want with my life, what I am demonstrating is that I'm not getting my strength and courage from God's promises or presence at all. God says, Joshua, I will know that you are trusting me because you will go out and you will take my promises and you will take the reality of my presence and you will use that strength and courage to go and do the things that I've commanded you to do. And you know how you know the things I've commanded you to do? Take this book and meditate on it day and night. Joshua only had five books. You have 66, so you have a bigger problem. But Joshua only had five books. These five books... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And God said, take the law. Take those books. Meditate on them day and night so you are absolutely clear what it is that I'm asking you to do. And if you take this strength and courage and leverage it to be obedient to me, then you will have good success and prosperity in everything that you do. See, I think this is where many of us today get caught up. We want the strength and courage from God's promises and presence, right? So we read the Calling Jesus book and we download the Touch of Jesus app and we, uh, we read the, the Bible and we come to church sometimes and then we want all the strength and courage that comes from God's promises and presence. We want all of that. But what we don't want to do is prove that that's where our strength and courage is coming from by going out and living the life that God is calling us to live. And I want to suggest to you this morning that I think what God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, if you want to pretend like you're pulling your strength and courage for my promises and presence, but then you go out and you disobey me and you don't live the life I'm calling you to live, you're never going to fully experience everything that I have for you and for my people. You'll never fully experience it. 
It would be like if someone handed us a check for $1,000 and they had all the money in the account to make good on the check and the $1,000 would help us tremendously and we took the check and we said, I have $900 in debt right now. This check would cover the whole thing. And we folded up the check and we stuck it in our pocket and we walked around through life knowing that we had all the money we needed to cover all of our debt. But we never went to the bank and took the money out. That's how many of us walk around and live our life with God. Say, God, I want all the truth about your promises and presence. I want all the good stuff that you give of strength and courage and no fear and anxiety. But when it comes to how I'm going to go out and then live, I am just going to do my own thing. So when it's time to talk about my finances or or sex or how I view things in this world or how I'm going to deal with this world, then I'm going to just live the way I want to live. I'm going to live the way that makes me happy. But I want all your promises and presence. I want all the good stuff that happens. I want the strength and the courage. And then I'm just going to go out. I'm going to do what I want to do because I feel so much better that I went to church today. And what God's saying to Joshua is, Joshua, that's not how it's going to work here, buddy. If you want all of the good things that come from trusting my promises and recognizing my presence, then you need to go and live the life I'm calling you to live. Go be obedient to me, Joshua. And then you will experience something beyond anything that you would experience in this world otherwise. You want all the comfort and strength and courage that come from my promises and presence? Then look at your life, Joshua. Is there consistency between what I said to do and what you're doing? Where there's not, you're not trusting me. You see, if you look through the Bible, this is where people got themselves into trouble. Is they stop drawing their strength and courage from God's promises and presence, and then it becomes evident in what they do. So take someone like Moses. Do you know why Moses is not entering the promised land? It's not because he got old. He didn't die of natural causes. Moses disobeyed God in the middle of the wilderness. And he got caught up in this moment. The people needed water. The people were dehydrated. And they needed water. And God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to proclaim to these people that I'm going to take care of them. I am their God. I will make sure they have everything they need. So I want you to stand up next to a rock. I want you to speak to the rock. And I want you to say, your God is going to provide water. Speak to the rock. I will provide the water. The people will trust in me. Moses is fearful and anxious. There's no water. The people are restless. Hundreds of thousands of people, these nomadic people, are all angry at Moses. He's public speaking, right? He thinks they're going to rush and attack him. And he gets up in front of the people and he says to them, he says to them, do we, meaning not God, but him and Aaron, do we need to provide you water? Here you go. And he takes his staff and hits the rock and water comes out. And God says, oh no. No, 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 no. Moses, you made it about you. You were supposed to derive strength and courage from me. Not just get anxious and fearful and do your own thing. And it was because of that lack of obedience that Moses doesn't enter the promised land. And so for us in our lives, you want to be sure you're actually drawing your strength and courage from the God who makes you promises that he always keeps and the God whose presence is always with you? Take a look at your life. Open up this book and read it. And ask where there's a disconnect. Figure out where there's a disconnect and ask God for his grace 
to fix it. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that the promises of God are sure and his presence is always with you. In fact, it was Jesus' last words to his disciples, right? In Matthew 28, verse 20, we call this the Great Commission. He said to his disciples, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Maybe you know that verse. And then at the end, he says, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's his promise to his disciples. That's his promise to you. And I would suggest to you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to rethink think what worst case scenario is. What's the worst case scenario in your life? What are you most fearful of? What's the worst thing that could happen to you? That you die and you go to be with Jesus. That's what happens. That's the truth of the gospel. And so for many of us, we have to reset this whole thing in our minds. We have to rethink this whole thing. The worst thing that could happen, God has already covered through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if the worst thing that could happen has already been covered through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then, then all of those other little things are covered as well. And so I take the reality of God's promises and his presence, and then I go and I live the life that he's calling me to live. And if you're looking to overcome fear and anxiety today, you can keep looking within yourself. You can keep looking to other people. You can try to pretend it doesn't exist. But true strength and courage is derived from God's promises and presence and is displayed in your actions. I'm going to invite Jesse back as we close this morning. And I just have one final story for you. A couple of years ago, we were at a, a conference down in Atlanta, and one of the speakers got up, he was a pastor, and he told this story. He said a number of years ago, he had a chance to speak in Scotland, and he was very excited. And he had, I don't remember how many children he had, but he had a number of children and he had, he had multiple boys and they, he knew they were going to castles. He knew they were going to see swords because he decided the whole family was going to come on this trip to Scotland. So he was going to go to Scotland and speak in different churches and, and places and the whole family was coming. And he, he was so excited that they were going to see the castles, they were going to see the swords, and they were going to see everything that Scotland had to offer. And he thought his kids would be so excited. And so he sat down and he told his kids, I'm going to Scotland, dad's going to Scotland and guess what? The whole family is coming. And everybody was excited. His wife was excited. The kids were excited. His youngest son, about three years old at the time, named Gideon. Gideon was not excited. And this pastor said he couldn't figure it out. His three-year-old boy is going to go to castles? And, and see swords? Who wouldn't be excited? And so one day he finally sat down with his three-year-old and he said, Gideon, aren't you excited to go to Scotland? His son said, no, not excited. He said, buddy, there's going to be all sorts of stuff. Don't you want to see? We're going to go to the castles and we're going to see the swords. And he said, no, I don't want to go. He said, I don't understand. Why, why don't you want to go to Scotland? And Gideon, his three-year-old son, looked back at him and he said, I don't want to be alone. And he said, Gideon, you know we're all coming with you, right? And he said, you are? 
And his whole countenance started to change. You see, he's three years old, and he didn't know how he was going to change planes in New York. He didn't know how he was going to get a credit card. He didn't know how he was going to get through immigration. And all these things were processing in his head. He, he thought he was all by himself going to Scotland. And when his dad looked at him and he said, Gideon, dad's coming with you. Everything changed. Just the reminder that his father was with him changed everything. I don't know what you're fearful of this morning. I don't know what you're anxious of, but I know this. Your father is with you. The God who loves you, created you, made you, is with you if you trust in him.